Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and welcome to the official MSA National Podcast. Alhamdulillah, today we have a very, very special guest close to our heart, Dr. Altaf Hussein. Alhamdulillah. Dr. Altaf is a native of Cleveland, Ohio, and a double alumnus of Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, having earned his bachelor's in biomedical engineering and his master's in social work. He received his PhD in social work from Howard University in Washington, D.C., Dr. Hussein's research interests include the mental health and integration of immigrant and refugee families, and especially Muslim adolescents in the United States. He serves as vice president of Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research and advisory board member of the Peaceful Families Project, dedicated to the prevention of domestic violence. His past service to the community includes serving two terms as vice president of the Islamic Society of North America, ISNA, two terms as National President of the Muslim Students Association, MSA National, and an Executive Committee member of the Muslim Alliance in North America. Dr. Hussein and his family live in Northern Virginia. So without further ado, alhamdulillah, we heard and, and we're able to see so many of his amazing accolades, mashallah, and we are honored to have the one and only Dr. Altaf Hussein with us. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Hussein. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Subhan, for having me. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. Inshallah, you and your family are doing well as well. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. We are doing well. No complaints. The, the weather is finally getting uh, you know, nice in, in, in Chicago, alhamdulillah. How's the weather on your end? Alhamdulillah, in Virginia, we're good. We haven't had snow for a couple of weeks. Uh, so temperatures are slowly rising up. So spring is in the air. May Allah you know, uh, help us to, to receive it and to benefit from uh, Ramadan coming up. Absolutely, inshallah. And, and I'm so happy you mentioned Ramadan. We'll definitely be touching upon that. But subhanAllah, Dr. Althaf, today, inshallah, we're going to be talking about the history of MSAs. And, you know, the majority of the people who are going to be listening to this may currently be involved in their MSA, or maybe they've graduated from a college but had association or were a part of their MSA when they were in college. So that's like me, for example. I've been a part of my MSA when I was in college several years ago. And now, subhanAllah, having the opportunity to work with MSA National, I am super excited to kind of learn about the history of MSAs and things like that. But before we kind of delve into the history, Dr. Althoff, uh, even we, we, we read this in your bio that you've had, you know, affiliation with MSA National and MSA for some time. I'd love to hear your affiliation and your relationship with MSA throughout the years. Sure. Well, uh, so again, you know, uh, thank you so much for the for this opportunity, and I pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that everyone who is listening and who is serving in whatever capacity, whether you have a formal position or not, with your local chapter or at this the council level or at the national level, that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala blesses you for your leadership and your sacrifices. We do not take you for granted. We're very grateful that you are serving. In terms of my own connection and uh, uh, history with MSA National. I was actually uh, at the end of my, uh, or during my undergraduate, we knew about MSA National because at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, there was a chapter of the MSA, predominantly graduate students, but they would collect you know, some minor fee from us and they, they would uh, remind us that they are connected to the national 
but there wasn't really a, um, a, a presence of East on, on our campus. And so after my master's degree and um, I specialized in nonprofit management in, in, and, uh, and community development, and then I left to go to Malaysia for uh, uh, two years to, to work there, to teach there at the Islamic University. And uh, I happened to be there when I was called and they said, um, we want you to speak to a group of uh, uh, youth who are visiting from the United States. And I was like, sure, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll hang out with them. They're like, no, no, no we, we want you to give them a lecture, you know, and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, talk about, well, I forget the, the exact topic. And it turned out that this was the Islamic Medical Association Imana, and they were having their annual conference that year in Malaysia. And so, uh, you know, folks, their own children and others who were part of MENA, the Muslim Youth of North America, this was around the year 1995 and 95-96. Uh, and so uh, among them were the vice president uh, of uh, MSA National at the time, Dr. Samira Ahmed, and also a former chair of MENA, uh, Sister uh, Fatima Salman, or I think maybe she was chair at the time. So, you know, they were there in, in, uh, in Malaysia. And um, uh, I remember Dr. I mean, now Dr. Samira Ahmed, um, she was, you know, uh, we talked and she was saying, you know, how uh, she would love for me to connect with MSA and, 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 and just, you know, help out and whatever. So I actually started there. I started in 1996 via uh, 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 this really old mode of, of communication that was like a, a, a precursor to all these chats. And I was serving on the program committee of the annual convention in 1996 when I came back to America. And then I spoke at the uh, MSA conference. And then I um, ultimately in 97, um, I did some uh, zonal work with uh, under the zonal representative at the time, brother. Saqib Rizvi from the University of Michigan. And then I became vice president in 1997. And then I served as vice president until 1999. And then I became president in 1999. And then I served uh, two terms uh, at, at that point. So, so and then of course, after that, I was in, on, on the board of advisors. And then we helped with the strategic planning that transformed the MSA from a largely, you know, student-run organization into a hybrid of professionals who had some, you know, connection to MSA National and current students, and 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 ultimately, then I was invited back to serve on the board of that new uh, uh, structure, and I served for a, a couple of years there, and then um, was able to roll off. So it's it's been, I would say, a good, almost exactly. Uh, yeah, I can give him my age. I'm 50, and that's a uh, half of my life. Uh, wow. 25, 25 years of that has been in, in service of the students. Alhamdulillah. Wow, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. That 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 is amazing to hear. Uh, I guess it's safe to say that you can say that MSA is in your blood, Mashallah. <laughs> yeah, very very much so, very <laughs> much so. In fact, uh, my walima was happening on the Labor Day weekend, and uh, I actually flew to the conference uh, and then flew back uh, uh, to, to for my walima. Um, wow. 
<laughs> so it, it's it's start, it's not the best of models but <laughs> subhanallah i i i love and i appreciate the, the dedication may allah may allah reward you uh, so, so Dr. Althoff, just kind of hearing all of this, right? I guess I, I wanted to kind of now question in terms of like what you've noticed changed in the MSA. So you, Marshall, you've been a part of MSA for, for 25 years. So I'm sure you've seen the change from technology to the pandemic now and, and so many other things in between. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you've personally seen how MSAs have changed throughout the years. Well, so, and, and thank you for that. You know, uh, we want to begin when we talk about the shifts and the changes by first acknowledging the, the people in the late 50s and early 60s who really sacrificed to develop this, you know, this even concept of an organization called the Muslim Student Association. So we make dua for them and for their families and those, who, those of them who have passed away and many have. May Allah subhanahu wa indeed, you know, grant them the highest station in paradise they were the true, you know, the true pioneers of this work. So we, we built we built on what they built, and we tried to extend what they, you know, what they what they sort of uh, gave us. And you would say in the mid to mid nineties, or kind of when I became involved, that that was actually uh, a few years before that was the renaissance of the MSA. And so, well, I've seen it shift basically from that time until now. Because in 1981, or in the late 70s, there was a discussion about what would happen with MSA and Muslim Students Association, the national, uh, because more of the people who were graduating were staying in America, some were going back home. And so when the discussion was happening there, much of those resources, and it's a part of history, were shifted into making what is now called ISNA. And unfortunately, and it's a regrettable part of the history that the focus on MSA, the resources that MSA had, everything that was in MSA's name was transferred to ISNA. And the reality was that MSA for the, from 1981, when ISNA was founded until about 19, early 90s, uh, MSA was just sort of floating. And there wasn't that much attention given to it, not many resources at all. And so when the second generation, the children of the people who had arrived into in the US, the mostly immigrant phenomena, they started realizing that, wow, you know, we got to do something. We have to bring this back. That's when I, you know, that they started that. And so I'm, you know, uh, in the early nineties. And then by the time I got involved, this was all in the early days, you know, just email. The only way you could really get to people was email. And um, uh, ultimately, slowly shifted into having, of course, the um, uh, uh, the, the the presence of uh, technology, as you mentioned, cell phones, and you know that whole dynamic shifted just the way we were working. And I can say a couple things have happened. One is that the the idea of doing remote work and not functioning, you know, in as much physical spaces has on the one hand, you know, seemingly, you know, expanded the work. But on the other hand, I think we have a fewer, a, a bit fewer chances to make really, you know, uh, uh, strong connections among people. And some of that, in, not that it only has to happen in the virtual, and you mentioned the pandemic. So, you know, obviously we've survived for over a year now with, with the virtual setting in the virtual environment. But a lot of that has to do with downtime where you're just kind of talking to people 
getting to know their motivation for the work they're doing, getting to know their own life history and stuff. So that is going to be a new phase that we're in and that transition we've seen uh, in terms of human connection. And, and we really hope that there are continued efforts at at least having some gatherings in person so that people can you know, benefit from that and, and really build lifelong relationships. Um, uh, some of my lifelong relationships have come out of this, this work. The second thing is the use and the reliance on uh, uh, technology and how that has in some cases, you know, modernized the work and created a lot more efficiencies. Uh, but on the other hand, has also created a lot of misunderstandings and misperceptions uh, because of shorthand and a lack of thoroughly explaining things, you know, in, in this communication, of course, not just email, but on social media, whether we're using WhatsApp and now Signal and all these other conveniences, so that there are increasing chances if people do not already know each other outside and offline for those misunderstandings and miscommunications to really become quite dramatic. So we, we've seen that also where the positive has been the efficiencies of technology. Um, uh, we've also seen, you know, the, the kind of the downside of it by, by how detrimental the, this can be on the work uh, itself. If, if you only rely on the online communication and there's no relationship for the, um, uh, you know, for the off, uh, no relationship offline. And the last thing I can say is that um, uh, the, the shift actually in uh, another shift, if you will, has been in terms of giving um, uh, due attention to the campus work uh, because it's so much easier for uh, students to just set up an organization and kind of get going on their own. Um, MSA National in particular has felt the need, a, a much you know, a stronger need for having a network and a very strong, viable, real-time network among all of these different chapters and councils to, to really say, you know, let's, let's not be out there trying to do this on our own. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's not suffer in silence. If, you know, if there's some funding issues on the local campus, if there's some hate crimes occurring, or if there's some, you know, bigotry or whatever is going on, let's try to do this. And I, and I think that that's actually a, 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 a latest phase and a, and a good and welcoming phase, alhamdulillah, in terms of the, the way the work has shifted. Subhanallah, I, I really, really appreciate those three points, uh, Dr. Altaf. It, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I really appreciate that. And kind of taking what you mentioned with all of that, you mentioned the networking, you, meant, you mentioned the technological aspect as well, and things of that sort. I guess kind of honing things down and really getting to the core, I think this will be of benefit, especially coming from you, because we're going to be having a lot of people who are currently in leadership positions with MSAs. We have definitely a bunch of people who are part of their MSAs. And I think this question would be best prefaced from your, your experience. And it's just kind of getting down to the core message or the central purpose of what is the purpose of an MSA? Because I know right now there's just so many things going on and everyone's trying to do various things for, for their MSA, but just kind of getting straight to the core, I think coming from you would be great to benefit, inshallah. What is the purpose of an MSA? Like why, why an MSA? So, you know, um, and this is always, by the way, in nonprofit or organizations, 
and a chapter for all intents and purposes is a small nonprofit organization. It has its, you know, officers, it has its volunteers, um, uh, typically in a, in a voluntary capacity. And so maybe that's the only difference. But every nonprofit has to ask itself the question, should we exist, right? It's, a, it's kind of a different way of saying, why do we exist? Should we exist? And one of the most amazing things you'll find in, with anyone who has actually studied in America at a, at a college campus um, where there was a, vi you know, a very vibrant MSA, the, the most member, you know, pleasant and, and beautiful uh, memories they have is from the experiences of the work and the, and the, you know, the both programming as well as services that are provided by the MSA. So when you think about this, the average student who's coming to America, uh, I mean, sorry, who's coming to the college campus and including the international students who come to America, uh, they are, you know, literally going into an ocean of, of knowledge, of diversity, of experiences, and they're going to have to navigate that on their own unless a group of, uh, 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 already exists to say to them, um, you, you will have your individual experience, but you are not alone. Like you don't have to be alone in this experience in going through all of this. And we want to be there with you. So first and foremost, the MSA, you know, uh, has to has to be on campus uh, as a as a resource for people who are looking to connect with a religious uh, community on campus uh, because maybe they have com they're commuting and they've like traveled to from another state or a distant city uh, um, or a um, uh, another country. And so that's the first and foremost thing is that they there is a place for them to call. My, my new community, my religious community. Then, uh, and then hopefully they, they, will, they will address their basic needs for, you know, for a prayer space, or if it's a matter of, uh, you know, uh, attending uh, regular study circles and so forth. But in addition to that, I think, you know, that could be provided by people and it could even be in the virtual sense, but we really have to provide as an MSA uh, 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 opportunities for, uh, students to really interact and to network and to get to know one another because ultimately those relationships that they form that level of understanding where my views are tested by someone else are and there's pushback on things that I believe in or that things that I think I know but actually somebody knows more than me uh, or things that I'm uh, specialized in that I'm able to help others that kind of a exchange, that kind of a very authentic, genuine relationship building, uh, it allows for the community to be, you know, to actually be stronger. Because even if those folks don't end up living in the same city, or they move apart, or, or, or they, you know, end up being in different countries, that relationship and the, the basis of that relationship that happened through the MSA uh, was centered on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was centered on serving others, was centered on learning more about the religion, was centered on practicing the religion. And those types of experiences ultimately, you know, are lifelong and, you know, long lasting. So I would think that, you know, in addition to the religious community that the MSA provides, that it also actually it goes, you know, uh, quite far in helping build those relationships that could, 
it doesn't always have to you know uh, uh, turn out to be uh, inventing something or discovering something together or you know uh, building something together but and it could just be at the level of human relationships but how much more you know uh, beautiful is the experience if they can collaborate and they can come together on a project or on a you know on a particular business or organization and so forth then lastly you know i think it has to be there uh, as the as an M the msa has to be there because many of our students who are coming now the younger ones and you know as they will continue to come they're having such different life experiences they may be the children of a family that has divorced and they may be looking you know and trying to you know process it and sometimes it happens that the family may you know be falling apart while they're at college and how do they navigate that who do they go to so we're talking more about having chaplains on campus we're talking about people who are peer counselors and and others to support them uh, some may be going through issues with substance abuse and you know and drugs or alcohol or whatever it is that tests them the msa should be there as a welcoming you know as a loving as a compassionate and that's why by the way our guiding principles that we adopted you know in the early 2000s for msa national uh, really stand the test of time because they're directly from the quran and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam subhanallah subhanallah it's pretty crazy dr althaf because as you're speaking as you start concluding your your, your statements it's literally transitioning so perfectly to what i want to ask next next it's like literally almost as if you're reading my mind <laughs> subhanallah uh, but you started talking a little bit about like the future right and i kind of wanted to ask your thoughts because i think it's important for all of us to also benefit but in addition to that learn as well right so with as time starts to progress what direction would you like to see msa's head toward what are some areas of improvements that current msa's can currently do and then of course adopt such that in the future inshallah they're headed toward that direction yeah and it's always good always good to be thinking you know ahead and thinking on how to improve and you know one of the clear um, um, uh, ideas that is you know consistent and we have to keep repeating it is that the MSA um, cannot just be run and operated on the backs of like two or three people. We really have to get rid of that model. We really have to, you know, uh, and it's always almost humorous because, you know, we, we're, we're all standing around and, you know, and it's those same two, three people arranging for Jummah prayer, you know, rolling out the carpets and all of us are like, oh, mashallah, you know, such amazing dedication. <laughs> And just get up and help them, you know, get up and do something instead of saying they're making dua. Dua is amazing. It's wonderful. But what if you were making dua, dua for them and azkar while you were helping, while you were, you know, uh, uh, sort of supporting them? Because they're also there as students. They're also there and they're taking time from their own studies and their own internships and, and their co-ops and everything else to manage it. So we have to really, you know, the future of MSA chapters must be that there's always you know a minimum of like six to ten people who are in in place who are working and serving and if it's a larger campus then you know more than six or ten and then those six or ten have a shadow somebody you know uh, whatever that's why in many nonprofits they have a, a an elect position they have a president and a president elect and so you have a vice president a vice president elect so there's always a transition people have been identified 
nobody's waiting for surprises in the spring you know whereas uh, like the next person that walks in gets you know is gets the gets the position because we haven't done the groundwork you know to 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 get people into that succession planning model so that's number one is the human resource part of it number two you know we really i mean we're now at a time where we cannot have uh, a, a duplication of effort simply because people were careless or not you know diligent enough to keep good records to you know to whatever it is you're going to use dropbox stick with it you're going to use slack stick with it you're going to use you know um, um, uh, any of the google google options you know google drive and and then of course all of the the filing system whatever it is there must be a a very systematic uh, archiving of system you know of of the work as well as a as a, a handoff to the people coming so that they can build on what we did and that really, you know, it's, it's still amazing to me. And, and I'm sure you guys hear this at the national level, you know, people talking about, yeah, we had a you know, chapter and then it died. And like, how does an MSA chapter die? Like nobody can not, you know, can, can, can just like not submit the paperwork to be recognized as a student organization, like whatever, put it on a calendar, put it on schedule and make sure that it's happening so that at least the basics can continue. And then the last thing is, that we have to be ready, quite ready, for the fact that there are students that are going to be coming to the MSA that have been through um, uh, high school, very different high school experiences, and may have even been leaders at their high school MSAs, or went to study at like Cullum Institute or uh, the Institute of Knowledge in, you know, in California or wherever they went to at the high school level and you know, post high school, and then before they come to college, and they may be fully equipped to have the Islamic knowledge to run, you know, a basic chapter with real, you know, uh, uh, in a really great way. But we may not know them. We may not know who they are. So we need to build partnerships uh, already with a lot of these institutes to see: Are, are you are you teaching high school students? You know, how can we know them? How can we know who they are? And and then start to recruit them and start to bring them into the pipeline for service and for leadership not always coming straight to lead, but at least in the pathway of leaders of service so that they can inshallah be identified as leaders in the, you know, in the coming years. Subhanallah. Jazakumullah khair, Dr. Altaf. That, that was great. And that's exactly what, what I needed to hear. And, and I would hope inshallah all the, the viewers listening as well. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, Dr. Altaf. We talked about the history. We talked about your involvement. We talked about the current state. And, of course, even advice you have uh, for sustaining MSAs and, of course, uh, ensuring that, inshallah, uh, it's, it's going well and, and building systems and, and amongst many other things. I wanted to just kind of conclude, inshallah, with a, 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 a subject or topic that I think is amongst all of our minds, inshallah. If not, it, it definitely will be. And that's Ramadan. And we kind of started talking about that early on as well. Uh, inshallah, Ramadan is really, really coming close. Uh, subhanallah, so fast. And I wanted to ask for your advice, inshallah, to, to two types of people. Number one, to the group of MSAs. So how can MSAs, if you will, benefit from your advice? And then number two, how can just students and, and the general audience, if you will, our brothers and sisters in Islam, how can the MSAs and the students thrive, if you will, spiritually amidst a pandemic in which things are going to be super different this year, uh, as well as last year too. 
how, how can we thrive during Ramadan, being in college, being, uh, you know, MSA leaders, running an organization, et cetera, spiritually uh, with, with the month of Ramadan approaching? Well, a great question. And I think this is something that I always smile to myself when I, you know, start seeing people panicking, like just like days before Ramadan about, about what's going to happen. And I tell them like, it, it's pretty simple. It's the ninth month of the lunar calendar. So it's coming every year. So you don't have to wait for the, you know, last part of the eighth month, you know, in terms of uh, Shaban to be able to get into Ramadan. So I'm really glad that we're talking about this now. And I hope, you know, if the podcast is released soon, then, uh, you know, then folks will benefit from it. For me, the biggest thing with Ramadan, and especially in the pandemic and in, in, in what presumably will still be a virtual setting, is that we should try not to overdo any aspect of the work to the extent that our own individual ibadah suffers. So a complete fast, and we're hoping you're also doing practice, practice fasts, you know, with the, uh, with the sunnah fasts of the Mondays and the third day, Thursdays and so forth, that um, uh, there sh- the complete fast is actually inclusive of waking up for suhoor and, give, and honoring the time of suhoor, of praying the fajr, of, you know, of uh, honoring the time of iftar, of maghrib. Uh, and so we can't be so engrossed in the work and not delegated enough that uh, you know, some, of, some of us end up missing suhoor, end up missing fajr, end up missing you know, iftar time, end up missing you know, the, the, the sort of the reflection time because maybe the in-congregation taraweeh is not happening. So let's just make sure that at the end of the day, we have uh, some kind of a deadline, a cutoff point, whereby if we cannot, by you know, 10 days before Ramadan starts, have things in place, then we start to, to scale down. And we say, you know what, I'm sorry, we, we're just not going to be able to do it all. And so we thought we would have like, you know, uh, you know, people set up different programs and, and have ideas. You know, we thought we would do like a daily khatira and it's just not going to work out. So what should we do? Well, you know what, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, there are a lot of other resources that are available. So maybe you, you check with your local masjid of your, of your chapter uh, where your chapter is located and see if they have a weekly, you know, a daily reminder of some kind. And then you tune in and you connect the, you know, the students to that. Or, or uh, I mean, of course, uh, Yaqeen Institute where I'm, I'm the vice president, inshallah, we'll have daily programming as well. So maybe you look to other organizations like Yaqeen Institute and say, you know, okay, instead of us trying to worry about programming, scheduling speakers, you know, and all that, we're just gonna, you know, uh, uh, basically collaborate uh, either officially or, you know, and, and, and email these organizations or, you know, get in touch with them or do it as a, uh, as a, an informal thing whereby you just let your membership know of these resources and then let them know, you know, that they can, they can benefit from it. So at no, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, it should not be that any one of us who is involved in this work should ever suffer spiritually or miss the blessings of Ramadan because we're trying to do that work. That's point number one. Number two, whatever it is that we do, remember that there's always going to be someone, someone who is fasting alone, who is, you know, who is not going to be, you know, either because of their particular living situation or because of the, you know, uh, where they are living, meaning they don't have roommates or they're not with their family members or they're, they're a convert or, you know, for whatever reason, they're alone. 
make sure that you have some kind of a sign-up system so that if there can be some kind of a check-in system, either, you know, maybe not for suhoor, but maybe at least for the iftar time so that everybody within, within reach is, is, is there to know that somehow you will be provided for, somehow you'll be taken care of, you know, and, and if they have the financial wherewithal, then, you know, plug them into a system that can, you know, that, that a meal is prepared and maybe they just have to, they pay and they, they pick it up, whatever it is, that make sure we also, uh, you know, uh, uh, not leaving people to, to actually go through the fasting alone uh, without some level of, you know, solidarity and, and some sort of social, you know, a, a check-in system on them. And then the last thing is that I think it will be very critical because Ramadan has moved into the middle of the semester. And what I mean by that, whether you are on the quarter system or the semester system, when April 13th approximately comes around as the first day of Ramadan, that's like right prime, you know, time before finals, before um, uh, for graduating folks, you know, their thesis, before their honors projects, before the capstone projects. So we have to be trying to also address the stresses that are going to be associated with with not only having to focus on academics, but to maintain the ibadah, the you know the uh, the worship of Ramadan, but to maintain one's physical and mental health. So maybe programming that you can identify that others are doing that you then connect people into to say here's a daily check-in for you know mental health, here's a daily check-in for physical health, you know here's a basic routine that people are, are recommending to do, uh, you know to to work out. What are the you know uh, recommended times to work out? You know, is it some people do it right before iftar, where they get a heavy workout in, and then you know then they're and they have a meal. Uh, uh, you know, small you know basic recipe ideas of things that you're if you're doing this alone and you want to just manage it on your own. Here's some bit. So in many ways to try to consolidate and bring things together that are able to be of benefit to people beyond you know the uh, uh, just saying that you know well we're in a virtual environment so you're on your own so i hope that these you know a uh, couple several practical uh, uh, ways to to manage it uh, uh, will, will be of help inshallah subhanallah and i sincerely wanted to thank you for those three extremely practical pieces of advice inshallah and 100% inshallah this will be de- debuted way you know well before ramadan inshallah so for for everyone watching inshallah Let's all aim to, inshallah, practice upon this very, very important advice. Uh, Dr. Althoff, as we conclude, inshallah, we've been doing this every episode so far, so we're going to continue doing it, inshallah. And it's just kind of just lightening things up, if you will, and just doing a, a speed round of some fun questions, inshallah. So hoping you, you'll be okay with that. Let's go. All right, here we go. So we just got five questions, inshallah, starting off with number one. What is your favorite cuisine? Favorite cuisine, um, interesting. I, you know, I'm such an easy goer in terms of eating. But uh, uh, if if you said, is there another question about dessert, or can I just skip to dessert? You can do both. Fair cuisine <laughs> okay. and favorite food. Okay. All right. Give us so both. I, I, yeah, I have a feeling it it, it comes down to you know uh, uh, ch- anything anything chocolate in terms of the dessert, and then uh, of course on the on the cuisine side. I think I, I favor uh, uh, chicken dishes more. And again, I'm not very picky. So I just. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love it. Love it. Okay. Here's a good one, inshallah. Once COVID is done, inshallah, where's your go to place to travel? 
this is interesting. So uh, because you know some of my my more special memories uh, and time spent is of, you know with my own uh, children and my wife, uh, just because of the how busy things are, uh, we've tried to have like you know just some time at the beach. And so we're we I think I, ideally that would be the time and the place. And and in Virginia we're closer to Virginia Beach as well as what what are called the Outer Banks. And so that would be really a, a go-to place because it would help me not only continue spending time with them, but actually be, you know, in nature. SubhanAllah. I love it. Next question. What is your favorite book? So uh, outside of the Quran, you mean? <laughs> yeah, inshallah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I've personally benefited, you know, uh, uh, tremendously. Uh, and it really came at a time when I was looking for, uh, uh, you know, not just my connection to uh, Muslims and, and America as a society, um, it, it would have to be uh, the autobiography of uh, Malcolm X. Uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 it really, in, in many ways, uh, I know it, it, it might seem like cliche, but it, in so many ways, for me, it came at a time when I, when I really needed it. And it also happened that around the time of my undergrad is when the movie X was released by Spike yeah, uh, yeah. Lee. So there was, you know, uh, it, it was very uh, formative and helping me in terms of, uh, of you know, looking for the future of the of Muslims in the U.S. Wow, wow. SubhanAllah. Jazakallah khair for that. Next question. What is your favorite hobby? <laughs> so it, it's it's curious uh, that people, you know, uh, well, how, how does this guy? So believe it or not, like uh, in terms of trying to, you know, uh, uh, in the pandemic, uh, I've developed it, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping to, to, you know, to continue doing things like this. I've now found a, a new love for um, uh, doing small fixes and repairs at oh, home. DIY, so, huh? <laughs> so yeah. So believe it or not, it's 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 so far going well. Nothing has like really broken out. Uh, I, I I know, but but yeah. So that's become like the the new thing. Uh, not only during the pandemic, but just as I as I find more time to be 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 at home with the family. I love it, mashallah. Uh, so the last question, Doctor Al Thaf. This is my favorite question to always ask, and that's that is, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Yeah, wow. That's a yeah. That's always a a, a, a tough one, uh, because hindsight, mashallah, you know, is 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 obviously twenty twenty. Um, I I would I would think that I would say to um, not be so impatient with uh, with the process, um, and you know, oftentimes it's grueling and uh, uh, building consensus is difficult and people are coming from all different backgrounds and perspectives um, and, and to not rush it and to take it easy that uh, remind yourself that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge, that you do your best to make the case, to make the argument, to, to present the, the data. Um, and then you just leave it in the hands of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for the outcome, but you put forth your best effort. So and and don't rush it, and and to be patient with the process. And 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 this and by this I mean in every regard. I mean that in terms of family relationships. I mean that in terms of the the organizational work that we do, uh, transformative change. You know uh, that we're trying to do. Um, uh, it, it's always just uh, that that would be my big thing is to to not be so impatient with uh, with with change. 
Alhamdulillah. And I think there's no better way to end off with, with that, that piece of advice, Dr. Altaf. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. It's truly been a pleasure to, to, to benefit from your advice, your experience, and of course, your, your closing nasiha. Really, really means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you to you, Subhan, and to um, MSA National. Uh, it is, as you said, an organization very close to my heart. And um, uh, indeed, I'm, I'm always honored to, to be able to spend some time with the, uh, with the officers and the students in the in MSA. Alhamdulillah. Well, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you once again, Dr. Altaf, and all the viewers listening, inshallah, will be sure to include uh, relevant links, inshallah, in the description. We'll be sure to include Yaqeen Institute, inshallah. I know there's going to be a lot of great Ramadan programming coming up, as Dr. Altaf mentioned, so we'll be sure to do that. And of course, you can follow Dr. Altaf. We'll have his handle on there as well. Uh, and we'll see you guys in the next episode of the MSA National Podcast. Salams.